first chapter of Peter's first letter to believers who are scattered in northern Turkey, or as as they say in Turkey, Turkia, the northern region of Turkey, believers who had to escape for their lives, fleeing persecution, went there for safety hundreds of miles from home, having to start over again, as you know, that's tough, and facing all sorts of uh, problems there from the Roman Empire and even from the neighbors as well as having to learn a new language. Uh, There is a reality in the world, an ugly thing called xenophobia, uh, which is a hatred for foreigners. Uh, Zimbabwe's economy has gotten so bad that many of them have scattered all over the world. Most of them have moved to South Africa, the neighboring country, and because their educational level on average is higher than South Africa, they're getting a lot of good jobs The South Africans who are waiting on independence for years so they could get their own rights are very, very upset at this and are killing some of them. So it's in hostile circumstances that people who flee uh, their um, homeland risk their lives. No matter what you and I feel about the immigration issue, I feel that they should do it legally. But if I cross paths with an illegal person, I'm not going to be ugly or mean to them or persecute them because I'm a citizen of another kingdom anyway. We represent the kingdom of God, right? And they're standing in front of me as a mission trip right there, saving me, you know, thousands of dollars having to go to Mexico. He's come here. Let me share the love of Jesus with him. Amen? Amen? It's the truth. It's the truth. All right. So he's encouraging these people. And verse 22, he says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. How have they purified their souls? Well, the word soul can mean a couple different things. One is it can refer to the whole person or the whole life. Uh, 56 people that lost their lives in the Mediterranean Sea when that plane went down. Uh, A newscaster may say, 56 souls deceased, or 56 souls were lost. And he would not be abused in the word, because it does speak to the whole person. But it also speaks of our psyche, our mind, our will, and emotions. The Greek word suke is part of the word psychology, the study of of how our mind works, which incorporates our will, our emotions, and our intellect. And so in purifying our souls, you look at the earlier verses where he's telling them things that he wants to remind them of and encourage them of. He tells them to gird up the loins of your mind, tighten up the, t- tighten up the belt on your soul, be sober, rest your hope fully on the grace brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. As obedient children, don't conform yourselves to your former lusts, the way you used to live. But as he who called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So keeping that in mind, he says, now that being the case, verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, how many know that we need the help of the Holy Spirit to obey the Word of God? You can't do it in your own strength. It is impossible. People try to do it and fail and say, Christianity doesn't work, and they throw their Bibles away. No, it does work, but it requires the help of the Holy Spirit. 
Because you see, Jesus, through his spirit, is the only one that can live the Christian life. And so it's his life in us that motivates us, challenges us, encourages us, but it, it shows us, he shows us the next step to take and how to take the next step. The key to doing the will of God in your life is to do the next thing he tells you to do. And then do the next thing. And the next thing. And if you haven't done it yet, then do the last thing he told you to do. Maybe a key to a spiritual revival in your life personally is actually beginning to obey the last thing the Lord told you to do. We're disobedient people. We are. We're born in sin, shaped in iniquity, the Bible says. And so the scriptures help remind us of who we are. Can we say the word are? And what we are called to do. Can we say the word do? Being precedes doing. We are human beings, not human doing. You may be a mechanic for a living, but you are not a mechanic. That's what you do. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of the kingdom. When you've been born again, you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's new son, dear son. So you're in a new kingdom, in a new family with brothers and sisters, and there is a new you to discover to begin to live in light of that spiritual reality. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Insincere, that is not faked, love of the brethren... The word there for brethren, love of the brethren, is literally Philadelphia. Phileo, love, and Delphia, or Delphos, brothers, Philadelphia, fraternal affection. In sincere love and care for one another, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Now the word there, fervently, doesn't so much mean Uh, I'm going to love you with all my might. No, it means intention more than it means intensity. Obviously, it it means, you know, don't love one another half-heartedly, but it means intentionally love one another. This is not the love of the world, you know. I'm in love with you today. I I fall out of love with you tomorrow. Who, Who enjoys a good romantic comedy, you know? Um... Well, we just don't love each other anymore. Well, why not? Well, we just don't feel it. Well, that's not loving one another fervently with intention. Whether you feel it or not, it's great when you feel it. But me, right? Being married for 38 plus years, there's sometimes you don't feel it. But you do it because you care about the person. So you love them. This is more than hugs. This is, this is compassion. This is care. This is... This is a motivation to serve. Love one another fervently with intention, with a pure heart. Why? Having been born again. That's the perfect tense. Completed action in past time. Having been born again, we're to love one another fervently with a pure heart. So out of our new birth comes this new family, and we're to love our brothers and sisters in that new family. We're born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. The word there for seed is a word spora. Incorruptible spores of God is what makes us born again. How? Through the word of God. God's word is like seed. 
In fact, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. And so when we hear the Word, when we really hear it, faith is generated in our heart. So the Word is a seed that results in the fruit of faith in our life. And it's incorruptible. It doesn't perish like some seeds do. Through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. That's two different words. The Word of God is alive, and the Word of God is abiding. It's not going anywhere. The Word is alive, and the Word is present. If the Word was alive and off in heaven somewhere, it wouldn't do us any good, right? But God's Word is alive and present. Some people make promises, they don't keep them. You know what that is? That's a word that's not alive. It's not backed up by life. God's word is backed up by the life of God. And when he makes us a promise and we believe it, that is faith. So his word is our connection to God's life. Because, and here we are before our second birth, all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. He's quoting from Isaiah 40. The grass withers and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So, you know, out of the 1,200 plus pages in, in the Bible, the word of God that brings new life resulting in the new birth is any verse that deals with the gospel, the good news, the story of Jesus coming to die for us. The story of when Jesus came to die for us. The story of Jesus having died for us and all the ramifications of that. That is a gospel that brings new life. Therefore, which means this, this being the case, laying aside or throw away, get rid of this stuff, all malice. Can we say all? All malice. What is malice? It's wickedness evil it's darkness it's it's uh something that is destructive all deceit that's trickery that's uh to be wily and slippery hypocrisy now i think the word all is implied there in fact the the old king james version says hypocrisies what is hypocrisy? It refers to wearing a mask. It refers to faking friendship. This, our love is to be sincere, genuine, not fake. Envy and all evil speaking. Envy can sneak up on you before you know it. There it is. You could be your best friend, got the dream of a life, you know, got the job of a lifetime, and yours sucks. And you wake up and you realize you're still where you were and they're not. And you're hit with envy. Maybe somebody got a raise and you know you do a better job or you think you do. Envy. It's a green-eyed monster. Man, when it shows its ugly head, do not embrace it. Well, it's who I am. Well, get rid of it. We're to put off that old stuff. That's not the new you. Deal with it. Otherwise, it will, it will lead to evil speaking. People we envy, we don't speak well of. Oh, I've never said anything mean to them. No, I'm not talking about saying mean things to them, but to other people. Who does she think he is? Or who does he think she is? Or he is? 
put away those all, put away those things. As newborn babes, here's what we're to do. We're, we're not just to get rid of evil, but we're to embrace good. As newborn babes, can we say newborn? As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word. You ever seen a baby hungry? Baby's not happy. Man, I've got a couple grandkids. When they're hungry, it's all over. In fact, I don't think anybody would ever kidnap them. They've got sirens built into them that is unbelievable. Make your hair stand up on your neck. I think somebody's killing them. That's intense craving. I've got to have mama's milk. I've got to have some food. May God give us that kind of desire for the word. That you may grow thereby. Our food for spiritual growth is God's word. It's not just reading your three chapters a day and checking off your mark off your, you know, work like you're working on a goofy badge or something, getting some kind of merit star. No, it's reading the word and letting God's word speak to you. And when something really speaks to you, stop and you think about it the rest of the day, and it will have an impact on your life. It starts with desiring the word like a baby desires milk. Now, don't do that unless, verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Having tasted the graciousness of the Lord, why would, we, why would we not want another taste? Why would we not want to discover more? Coming to Him is the way we come to the Lord through His Word as to a living stone. Not just a dead rock, but... The, He's like a stone that's alive, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. So we're to come to the chosen one, the precious one. You also, as living stones, were chosen. He begins the letter by talking about that. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is why we're to love one another, because we're being built together. The house of God is not a building made with hands. The house of God is the people of God. The components in the house of God are two things, rock and mortar. Christ being the foundation and him being the, the model stone or the chief cornerstone or the keystone or the capstone, however you want to look at him. The people of God are the living stones. What is the mortar? The love of God. That's why we're to love one another fervently with a pure heart. The house of God cannot be built if the stones of God reject each other. Well, she just annoys the heck out of me. Well, good. The heck needs to get out of you. Well, he just bothers the hell out of me. Well, good. The hell needs to get out of you. We're to embrace each other with all of our heart and allow God's love to operate. Well, I don't feel like it, and I'm not going to be fake. 
Well, be honest with where you're at. If you've got a difference with somebody, you've got to talk it through. If you love them, you'll talk it through, right? What happens if you get a rock in your shoe? Do you walk around just limping all day? No, but emotionally and spiritually, people walk around with rocks in their shoes all the time. Offenses, I'm offended with that one, so I'm not going to have anything to do with that one. I'm not going to have anything to do with that one. You know what's going to wind up? We're going to wind up having our own little house and not be part of the house. You heard the story of the guy found on a, stranded on an island, rescued, and there were two buildings, three buildings there. He said, what are those buildings? Well, the first building is my house. The second building is my church. What's that third building? Oh, that's where I used to go to church. Even by ourselves sometimes we have problems, right? Because our real problem is the man in the mirror. It's me. I deceive myself. I trick myself. I fool myself. I feed myself crap. And I have to live with the consequences. Lord, help us to embrace the reality of who we are in you through your word. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us today. Enable us to uh, encourage each other and draw encouragement from you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're in a journey through First Peter, Sunday by Sunday, journeying through First Peter. Hopefully we'll be done before the summer is half over. Uh, we began with... Uh, the first sermon was, We Have a Living Hope. If you ever want a CD, they're available for a buck if you've got it. If not, they're available for free. You, but we don't throw them at you. You have to ask for them. And the, the request forms are out there on the information desk by a basket. Fill out a request form, put it in the basket. And the next Sunday, the Lord willing, almost every Sunday, uh, your CD will be waiting in front of the basket for you. If you have a dollar, leave it in the basket. If you don't, take it with you. We, we, we want to get the word out. We want God's word to grow and multiply. Uh, so the first Sunday we spoke about, we have a living hope. The second truth that we found encouraging truth for stormy times, we have great reasons to rejoice. The third Sunday we spoke on this, we have minds to use. Let's use them. Uh, everybody else wants to use our minds. It's time for us to take control of our thinking. And last Sunday we spoke on we are redeemed with precious blood. Today we want to speak on the subject, we are born again, can we say that, of incorruptible seed. Of incorruptible seed. Let's go to John chapter 3. There was a Jewish leader named Nicodemus who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. One night he went to Jesus. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher sent by God. No one could perform the miracles you are doing unless God were with him. I am telling you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. How can a grown man be born again? He certainly cannot enter his mother's womb and be born a second time. I am telling you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. A person is born physically of human parents, but is born spiritually of the Spirit. Do not be surprised. 
because I tell you that you must all be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. It is like that with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can this be? You are a great teacher in Israel, and you don't know this. I am telling you the truth. We speak of what we know and report what we have seen. Yet none of you is willing to accept our message. You do not believe me when I tell you about the things of this world. How will you ever believe me then when I tell you about the things of heaven? And no one has ever gone up to heaven except the Son of Man who came down from heaven. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the desert, in the same way the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not die, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to be its judge, but to be its savior. Those who believe in the Son are not judged. But those who do not believe have already been judged because they have not believed in God's only Son. This is how the judgment works. The light has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. Those who do evil things hate the light and will not come to the light because they do not want their evil deed to be shown up. But those who do what is true come to the light in order that the light may show that what they did was in obedience to God. My first point today is it is eternally, can we say eternally? It is eternally important to be born again. You can go to some churches for years and never hear anybody talk about being born again. In fact, some educated fellows, eggheads with more degrees than a thermometer, would denounce being born again. Not Jesus. God's Word made flesh did not come here and speak meaningless platitudes. He said, most assuredly, most assuredly, he's emphasizing it, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In Matthew 18, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He didn't understand. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And then he says it again. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. This is a command as much as it is an invitation for a new beginning in the Lord 
to be born again personal. He came to give us new identities. He came to give us a new beginning. He came to give you a new you. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And the spiritual journey is a journey where we are putting off the old man, getting rid of the old stuff, and embracing the new. As we sincerely hunger for the word like he told us to in chapter 2, we'll read things like that we should no longer walk as the rest of Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, being alienated from the life of God because of the blindness of their heart. This is in Ephesians 4. Who have given themselves over to lewdness. But you have not so learned Christ. You need to put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, that being the case, putting off the old man and embracing the new man, put away lying, put away stealing, be angry and don't sin, don't give place to the devil, uh, put away corrupt communication, don't grieve God's spirit, get rid of all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. So the things we get rid of in our life follow our being born again. You don't get good to get God. You get God, and He generates goodness in our life. This is why it's hard for really good people to see their need to be born again. Because th- their life is together. They're not as wicked as everybody else. But Jesus said, we all have to be born now, what is this being born of water and the Spirit? I don't know exactly. I'll share you two or three perspectives. But I think it's an invitation to go deeper. Some would say, he said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, being born of water is water baptism. Being born of the Spirit is Holy Spirit baptism. So if you want to enter into the fullness of God's kingdom in your life, having been born again, God's got more for you. Great. Others would say the water is your natural birth. So to enter God's kingdom, you've got to be born naturally and spiritually. And others would say no water refers to the word. We're cleansed by the washing of water by the word. We need the word of God in our life and the spirit. Well, where do you stand, Pastor Allen? I just say I embrace them all. Hallelujah. It's the Word of God. It's an invitation to be born again and to grow spiritually in all that God has for us. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? He doesn't quite understand. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? I thought you knew the Scriptures, man. It's all through the Old Testament. Different prophecies about the Messiah coming and bringing new life. Giving people new hearts taking out their stony heart and giving them a new heart, things like that. That's the new birth. Verse 14, Jesus goes on. This is how it happens. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What is that? Well, in the book of Numbers is this weird story. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. Where a serpent was lifted up. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life or eternal life. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He goes on in verse 18, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. So if you were drowning in the ocean, and someone threw you a life preserver, or sent you a life lifeboat, and you did not embrace those things, you're going to drown. Why? Because you're already drowning. So Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. He came to save. See what I'm saying? How could could God send people to hell? He gives us an opportunity to follow him or not follow him. So it's our choice. We are condemned already, and he has brought salvation to us. Now back to that story. He said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. In Numbers, the fourth book of your Bible, is this story where God's people, the Israelites, the children of Abraham, had experienced 400 years of slavery in Egypt. It formed them into a nation. And through a series of miracles, they were delivered, and they're on their journey to the promised land. And on the way, they began to complain and whine and want to go back to Egypt, want to go back to their slavery. Yes, it's amazing how in our journey with God many times, we want to go back to the old slop because the familiar. We're called into a life of pursuing the unknown. That's why I love the, the song Ocean so much is we're diving into the deep. We're going where we don't know where we're going. We're trusting the one who's leading us. And so they were not happy. And so God allowed snakes to come up and attack them. And so they're dying like flies from snake bites. And Moses runs to God and says, God, help. What do I do? We need a remedy. What's the antidote? And the Lord says, make a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And whoever looks at the pole will be healed of their snake bites. So he did it. Strange story. As a son of man, as a serpent was lifted up on a pole, even so must the son of man be lifted up. Christ on the cross. How is Christ the brazen serpent? He's the judgment of the devil. The serpent obviously represents the devil. I mean, you read of the fall of man in Genesis 3, the story there, a serpent beguiled the man and woman, and they fell into sin. They chose to live a life independent of God. All sorts of evil came about because we're not looking to God for leadership in our lives. And this is what happens. Bronze symbolized God's judgment. The curse of the law that Moses gave said because of sin, heavens will be, the heavens will be as brass or as bronze to us. You pray and it just comes back to you. God won't hear your prayer unless you're repenting, unless you want to be forgiven, unless you want his leadership in you. Um, in the tabernacle of worship that Moses instituted through God's leadership inspiration, there was a place where animals were sacrificed, and that place was made of brass. It was called the brazen altar or the bronze altar. 
So it's a place of judgment. In Revelation, in the New Testament, when John saw the throne of God, he said God's feet at his judgment throne looked like bronze. So the brazen serpent was a judgment on evil, just like the snake bites resulted from their evil. So the brazen serpent, the evil was judged, looking at that serpent in faith, they were healed. So Christ is the judgment of the serpent. In Genesis 3.15, God told the serpent that there would be division or enmity between him and the seed of the woman. Capital S-E-E-D. And he would bruise the serpent's head and the serpent would bruise his heel. On the cross, Christ took Satan's authority away. No longer do we live under the dominion of, of sin. Through Christ, we are freed from Satan's authority. Christ got banged up in the process of doing it. In fact, hanging on the cross on three nails, one of his heels was severely bruised. But in so doing, the head or the authority of Satan had a number done on it. No longer authority over Nothing can happen to you unless God allows it. If God allows it, it can be for your good to learn wisdom, learn not to do that anymore, or to put you in connection with somebody that needs to hear about Jesus. We're free from the reign of the devil through Jesus. So this is the context for John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son on the pole, on the wood, bridging heaven and earth, to pay for the sin of mankind. So it's important to be born again. It's also important, if you are born again, to remember your new birth, to remember who you are. We read earlier, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Can we say pure We're to love one another intentionally with purity. This is more than just a hug on a Sunday morning, but this is serving each other. This is love in action. I have here a copy of 59 verses that are one another verses in the New Testament. Be at peace with one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another is in there a lot of different places. Stop judging one another. Accept one another just as Christ has accepted us. Instruct one another. Greet one another. Wait for one another. Have concern for one another. Serve one another. Stop devouring each other. Uh, Stop envying each other. Carry one another's burdens. Be patient with one another. Bear with one another. Be compassionate with one another. Forgive one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. In humility, consider one another better than yourselves. So we're to love each other fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Yeah, I hear what you say, but that was for those people 20 centuries ago. No, the Word of God still lives, still abides. It's eternal Word. Its shelf life is eternity. There is no expiration date 
on the Word of God. Now, seeds have shelf life. I don't know if you understand that. Some much longer than others. Artichoke seeds last for five years. Beans normally last for three years. Beets for four years. Broccoli for three. Corn can last for two years. And yet, sometimes there's exceptions. Greg shared with me between the services that the Navajos, in their excavation of a historic site of the Anazazi people, discovered a clay pot of beans judged to be over a 1,000 years old. They planted them, and they grew. You can now buy Anazazi beans, which are descendants of sleeves, of sleeves, of seeds, a thousand years old. You can buy Anazazi seeds, Anazazi beans, and eat them from HEB. We're going to talk more. I could have had a can of that. That would have been impressive. God's word is eternal. It's important to hunger for his word, to hunger for spiritual food. Why? It teaches you who he is and who you are and how to live in light of both of those things. The world is in an identity crisis. Huge. So what I'm about to say, please don't take it like I'm throwing stones at people that aren't here. I hate that. I hate people denouncing people that aren't here, you know. But New York City now has 29 new gender classifications. What is that? That is the self-esteem movement gone too far. That's, that's basically counselor abuse, I would, I would say. God made us male and female. What's the problem? I think the world is affected with, with um, self-hatred, self-loathing that is unbearable. Such self-loathing that people cannot stand themselves that they try to reinvent themselves. And don't look down on people. You, maybe you do it to yourself on Facebook. Presenting you, that's not really you. Some people have multiple Facebook identities. Beware of them. Predators are out there. And other social media outlets. Dating sites and stuff. You don't know who you're dealing with. Be careful. God so loved that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not have to perish, but might have everlasting life. We can be born again. You hate you. Well, he promises a new you. If you hate yourself, there's an invitation. Maybe you are born again. Maybe you're not, but if you are, invitation to discover more about you, to put off the old man and put on the new. Well, I don't like my abs. Well, I'm sorry, but you're not your abs. I don't like mine either. Therefore, what abs? Therefore, I don't have a 12-pack. I have a case. Therefore, case, Pastor, you have a refrigerator. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Who has tasted God's graciousness? Having tasted his graciousness, let's go on. Let's go on. Don't put your spiritual car in park. 
Who knows what God has called you to do if you'll let him continue healing your soul and continue growing in him. There is greatness in you. Bible says, Jesus said that um, out of all the people that born of woman, none was greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in his kingdom is greater than him. There's greatness in you yet to be discovered. But it's not through you pursuing your self-esteem and trying to understand everything with the help of professionals. And God knows I've been to see professionals, thank God. It's important to be ministered to and get help. If you're hurting, get help. But not from someone that will empower foolishness in your life, but someone that will speak truth in your life. I know you feel that way, but that is not the truth. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. His word is good. It's an invitation to grow in him and learn things and be encouraged from him. We live life too independent of God. And so the spiritual walk is learning to be dependent on the Lord. I'm closing the sermon with three questions. The first one is the most important question. Have you truly been born again? I threw the word truly in there because of this. According to Pew Research, in 2014, three out of ten U.S. adults claim to be born again. I don't believe that. 30% of America is born again and growing in Christ. I don't believe that. Somebody's lying. Just because you know what box to check on a survey doesn't mean you're born again. Just because you pray to repeat after me prayer with somebody to get them off your neck so that they could carve a notch on their evangelism gun doesn't mean you're born again. Just because grandma told you you were born again or just because your name is on 13 church rolls doesn't make you born again. You're born again because you cried out to the Lord with all your heart to give you new life. Romans 10 says that with the heart we believe to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. That Confession is the word of faith. It's the name of Jesus. Whoever calls on his name will be saved. Call on him from the depth of your heart. Jesus, save me. Who would say Granbury's a church-going town? Think it is? 50-plus churches, yada, yada, yada. Well, a number of years ago, First Baptist Church did door-to-door surveys. 18% of the people they spoke to claimed to go to church. And you know some of them were lying. So back to the question, have you truly been born again? Are you really born again? Don't be insulted by this. Be encouraged. If you're not, you want to be so you can enter God's kingdom, amen? So you can have a new family and so you can discover a new you. Next, if you've been born again, are you embracing your new birth? Are you holding on to your past? And are you embracing the new birth of one another? Or are you holding their past over them? Billy Bob on the front row is not an ex-con. Billy Bob is your brother in Christ. Susie Q on the back row is not a hoe. She's your sister in Christ. Embracing one another on the basis of our new identities is essential to being a healthy church. We are living stones. We're not... 
as an individual stone, we're not who we're going to be, but thank God we're not who we were. We're living. That is, we're changing. We're growing. Are you embracing your new birth? Are we relating to one another on the basis of our new identities? Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student? An MVP? A winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me His masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, Who am I? Yeah, Pastor, I am born again. I do read the Word, but I'm still tempted with stuff, and I can't stop being tempted. You know what? It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to yield to the temptation. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from building a nest in your hair. You have to have a battle plan to overcome temptations. We all have Achilles' heels. It's related to the old man. If we're to put away the old man, put away the old lust, we have to have a battle plan before the temptation shows its ugly head. What is your battle plan? Sometimes you may have to talk to somebody to get a strategy on how to do it. Some things you just have to get rid of. Because God makes a way of escape so we're able to handle, handle temptation. Look for it. Find it. There's a way. Back to the sermon. I'm done. We're born of incorruptible seed. But I leave you with this question. Are you born again? Let's bow our heads. Lord, I pray for every person here, for those especially that are not born again, those that know they're not, I pray, Lord, you generate a desire in their heart to want to be. And those that think they are and are not, I pray, Lord, you would bring understanding where they see, okay, that was a religious experience, but I've not been changed, I've not been born again. And, Lord, I pray for those that are born again. I pray, Lord, that they would begin to live in light of their new birth, that they would stop embracing their old identities as, you know, I'm a redneck or I'm a this or I'm a that, but I am a child of the living God. And, Lord, I pray that we would relate to each other in light of one another's new birth. 
Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you would like to be born again, uh, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm not guaranteeing that if you pray this with me that you become born again. But this is how you do it. (laughs) Similar to this. Let's pray it together. Oh God in heaven, I call on your name. Jesus, save me. I believe that you died for my sins and you've risen from the dead. Come into my life. Make me your child. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. Something like that from your heart. And begin to read his word. Begin to pursue him. When you're born again, songs like the new one, I really like that new song, become like, when we were singing this, it was like water to my soul. It wasn't just the style. I mean, I liked the style. It was refreshing and fun. I guess I'm a clogger at heart. I don't know. But the message, bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. It's the Lord speaking to us. And then here is our response. Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right. But that's all right. Because I hear a voice and he calls me redeemed when others say I'll never be enough. And greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. Bring your doubts and bring your fears. Bring your hurt and bring your tears. There will be no condemnation here. You are holy, righteous, and redeemed. Every time I fall, there will be those who will call me a mistake. But that's okay. Greater is the one living inside of me. There will be days I lose the battle. Grace says it doesn't matter because the cross already won the war. I'm learning to run freely, understanding how he sees me and makes me love him more and more.
you want to this morning. Make a little noise in the name of Jesus. One, two, three, and there'll be days I lose the battle. Grace says it doesn't matter, cause the cross already won the war. He's greater, he's greater. I learn to run freely, understand just how he sees me. 